0: We are continuing on in the book of Mark this morning. Mark chapter 1. We'll pick up where we left off last week in verse 29. Mark chapter 1, verse 29. Last week we talked a little bit about Jesus' authority, that as Jesus was coming onto the scene and he was preaching and he was teaching the people, he was preaching and teaching with an authority that was unlike anybody else's that had ever come before him. We saw that authority over a demon last week that he he cast out in an instant from a man who was demon-possessed and came up to him. And so we talked last week... A little bit about Jesus' authority. Now, at this point, Jesus is just really beginning His earthly ministry. He's just getting started. The week before, we had talked about the calling of His disciples and how He had begun to gather these group of men that were, that were going to be with Him that He was going to teach as He was going around and doing the work. He was He was teaching them but also preparing them for when he, would be, uh, when he would be crucified and resurrected and ascend to heaven, it was the early apostles, the ones who were with them, who had first-hand knowledge, who had been taught by Jesus himself. So he is preparing them as, as, as he's going through and doing this ministry. So these things that we read about that Jesus is doing... Are, are there to, one, help him preach the, the message that he came to preach and, and, and prepare people to let them know that they needed to turn to him. But two, he was also preparing his apostles for the work whenever he left. And he's also preparing us as we read about what Jesus does and learn about what Jesus does. We grow in him and we learn from him so that we can, too, continue to go out and do the work that he wants us to do so this morning we'll pick up where we left off we'll pray and then we'll jump in let's pray father god we come to you this morning and i pray that you be with us as we look at your word i pray that you help me uh, not to ramble about but to be able to preach and teach in a way that's going to bring clarity to your word it's going to bring glory to you i pray that you help me to say things in your word and bring out things in your word it's going to be what we need to hear that will help us to grow and god i pray that your holy spirit would take these words that are yours that we read that we hear god and that you would do the work in our life through what your words say I pray that you hide me behind the cross. I pray that you just help uh, this message to come out in just the right way that these people need to hear, dear Lord. I pray that you humble my pride. I pray that you give me the strength and the boldness and the ability to preach and teach your word today and all for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went into Simon Andrew's house with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed with a fever and they told him about her at once. Now, last week when we left off, the verses we looked at, Jesus was in the synagogue and he was preaching and he was teaching the people. The demon-possessed man came to Jesus and he cast the demon out and this takes place right after those events. After those events took place, after they left the synagogue, they went to Peter's house. Now, Peter had had left his boat uh, whenever he went to follow Jesus. He had left his boat, his livelihood, his fishing equipment to follow Jesus. But obviously, he hadn't gotten rid of everything. He still had a home. Even though he was out doing God's work and he was out following Jesus along and they were covering lots of ground and going lots of places, Peter still had a place that was called home. We also know that Peter was married because here we see about Peter's mother-in-law. Peter's mother-in-law was sick. Now, we don't know what was going on with his mother-in-law, but she had a fever. Now, obviously, by this point, even though there were many things that the disciples didn't quite understand, they did know who Jesus was, and they did understand the power that he had. And so knowing that Peter's mother-in-law was sick, they told Jesus about that. They told Jesus that she had a fever and that she was sick. Let's read on a little further. Verse 31. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve him. Now that's pretty simple. And that's really what we see a lot with Jesus when He heals people. Jesus doesn't do a bunch of jumping around, a bunch of dancing around. He usually doesn't do anything too crazy, although occasionally we might see the story where He, where he spits and makes mud and puts it on the blind man's eyes so he can see. Sometimes we see Jesus use... Uh, means that may seem a little strange to us but a lot of times it's at his touch or at his word or even at someone touching him the woman who had the problem of bleeding felt like if she could just she knew if she could just touch the hem of Jesus's robe she would be healed and indeed she was and even with just touching his robe he said who who was it that touched me and the disciples said are you crazy there's people everywhere pushing against you but Jesus said no I felt the power come from me and so Jesus didn't have to do a whole big to-do. Jesus' power was within him. It was faith that, that, that people came to Jesus, and it was their faith that healed him. That was the case of the woman with the problem of bleeding. She had faith that Jesus would heal her. And just the very touching of his tip of his garment is all of it took, because it was the very power of God, and her faith healed her as a result of that. And here we see Jesus, as he did many times, simply touch someone and they were healed. He reached down, he grabbed a hold of Peter's mother-in-law and he raised her up and she was healed on the spot. Now perhaps there was more to it than that. Maybe Mark and his writing style, as we have seen and will see through Mark, he doesn't go into a lot of detail. But I don't believe there probably was much else that went on other than that because we don't usually see these healings of Jesus being too extravagant. It's simply Jesus healing those that he comes in contact with. And so here, being touched by Jesus, Peter's mother-in-law is healed. Now, what does she do once she heals? She begins to serve Jesus. Now, we don't need to miss... That's a simple little thing. That we may miss that verse if we were reading through the Bible or reading through Mark. We may miss the significance of that. But don't miss it. When Jesus heals people... Oftentimes, they serve him just in the way that Peter's mother-in-law did. And the same should be true for you and I. When Jesus heals us, we should serve him. Now, I'm not talking about in a physical sense here. Now, I know Peter's mother-in-law was physically sick with a fever. Now, I do believe that Jesus does physically heal us from our sicknesses. I don't doubt that for a second. Many of you, if I said you believe Jesus has ever healed you from a sickness, I bet most of you would raise your hand. Now, I believe that Jesus does heal us in a physical sense, and Jesus wants to heal us in a physical sense, but more so, he wants to heal us spiritually. That is, he wants us to be forgiven. He wants our sins to be covered. He shed his blood for us so he he can cover those sins, so that he says to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus desires to heal us, not just physically, but more so, spiritually. And when we come to Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are healed. When we put our faith in Him and we accept Him as the Son of God who shed His blood for us and we ask His forgiveness of our, of our sins and we make Him our Lord and Savior, guess what? We are healed. We are healed spiritually. Now, as Christians, it should be our, our, our desire that we should desire to serve Jesus. That's a good question for you to ask yourself today. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've been healed by him and, you've, and, and, you, and you know that you're washed free from your sins and you've been cleansed and you've got a Savior that loves you who is there for you, if you know that about Jesus and you've been healed by him, then do you want to serve him? Do you have any desire to serve him? Now, the answer to that question in your life may be no. And you may need to examine your life and say, have I really been healed by Jesus? Or have I just gone to church a lot? Has Jesus really just changed my life? Do I really know Jesus or have I just heard of Jesus? If you don't have any desire whatsoever to serve Jesus, then you may not have been healed by Jesus. And maybe some of you are Christians and you have been healed by Jesus and you, you don't have that fire and that passion that you used to. Pray to Him, Say, look, Lord, I, wanna, I want to I help you. I want to serve you, dear Lord, but I don't know how. Help me to have opportunities. Help me to have that passion. Help me to have that fire. Help me to have that desire so that, so that when I read about you, dear Lord Jesus, when I when I read about what you've done for the people in, in, in the Bible, when I, when I remember what you've done for my life, and when I see what you're going to do for my life in the future, dear Lord, when I see you at work, let me desire to serve you. And that should be our goal as Christians. Once we accept Jesus Christ and become a Christian, we humble ourselves before Him and we are we are we are submitting our lives to him we're saying okay God my number one goal and concern is not to live for me anymore but to live for you now that requires a lot of us that's not an easy thing to do and and living for Jesus is not coming to church for an hour on Sunday just so you know living for Jesus is loving people that you encounter and helping those who are in need telling people about Jesus and what he's done that he is the son of God and forgiveness of sins that's what living for Jesus is and that's a lot harder to do than coming sitting on a pew on Sunday. If all living for Jesus was, and all forgiveness of sins was, and all eternal life was, was sitting on a pew for an hour on Sundays, probably everybody in the world would sit on pews on Sundays. But Christianity calls us to much more than that. That's why many of the religious people of Jesus' day had him killed. They didn't want to do what Jesus did because it called them to sacrifice, it called them to get dirty, it called them to talk to the sinners. It called them to to talk to the prostitutes. It called them to humble themselves and put others before them. That didn't sound very appealing to the religious people of Jesus' day, so they dealt with it by killing it. Now, that may not sound very appealing to many people in our world, and it may not even sound very appealing to some of you in this church, but guess what? Let me tell you something. That's what serving Jesus is. I'm not saying that it's always bad, that it's always dirty, that it's always nasty, that it's always hard. But sometimes it is, and maybe it is more times than not. But upon being healed, our desire should be to serve Jesus. That was Peter's mother-in-law's desire. Upon being healed, it says she was healed, the next thing, bam, what'd she do? She served Jesus. You and I, it would be good for us to take a note and learn from Peter's mother-in-law here that if we have been healed by the Lord Jesus, that we serve Him. If you hadn't been healed by Him, I want to tell you today, He wants to heal you and He can heal you and He's the only one that can heal you. Let's read on. Verse 32. When evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing to Him all those who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. So... Here in the last week we saw demon. Uh, excuse me. We saw Jesus cast out a demon from this demon possessed man. This was something that Jesus would do. Uh, uh, it, it appears pretty frequently in his ministry. That was the first time we see that here in the book of Mark in his account. And then today we see the first uh, the first uh, account of healing here in Mark's account. And word is spreading. Now Jesus has cast out a demon from a man. He has healed someone who is sick. They have heard his preaching. They know the authority that it has had and word is spreading fast now we understand that living in a small town we know that word can travel fast if something happens probably an hour later everybody in Liberty and in the surrounding area is going to know about that well people back then were probably not much different than you and I and so word spread And you can imagine someone doing miracles, casting out demons. He's around here. Wait a minute. Who is he? Where is he? I'm sick. I know somebody that's demon-possessed. I'm demon-possessed. I want to go to this man, and I want to be healed. And so it says in verse 32 that when evening came, after the sun had set, they began bringing the people to him. Now, we don't want to miss the little phrase there, after the sun had set. That may... uh, be of a little significance to us it probably is telling us there after the sun had set that is after the sabbath was over after the sabbath was over and the sun had set then people said okay the sabbath's over now we can get out now we can begin to travel we can go to where he is we can bring our sick people we can take ourselves if we want to be healed by the lord now, the Sabbath, as the Jews uh, still celebrate today, and, and even some Christians, uh, I believe wrong, wrongfully so, but that's, uh, we have to live by our own convictions there, but there are some today that still observe the Sabbath. Now, in biblical times, the Sabbath would have started on what we call Friday at sundown, and it would have lasted through what we call Saturday at sundown. That was the last day of the week, and that was the Sabbath. When the sun went down on Friday, the Sabbath would begin and you would have to follow the Sabbath observances all the way until the sun went down on Saturday. Now, they had been in the synagogue, and they had been there on the Sabbath when Jesus was preaching, and that had all taken place. And now that the Sabbath was ending, that is, the sun had gone down, now the people were beginning to get out, and they were beginning to come. So we see that, that, that the people were waiting for the right time, and as soon as the opportunity arose, here they were coming. They were flocking to Jesus. It also tells us that Jesus had a hard, hard work. He had to put in some overtime. It wasn't like, oh, the sun's going down, now it's time to rest. That's, that's kind of how we do, a lot of us, depending on our work schedule. But, but a lot of people, when the sun goes down, that's signifying the day's over. I can finally go home. It's time to eat supper. It's time to sit in my chair. It's time to watch TV. It's time to read a book. It's time to play video games. It's time to do whatever we all like to do when the sun goes down. So here the sun was going down. Jesus had been preaching and teaching all day. He was no doubt tired, even though he was God. He was still a man. But as the sun went down, here come all the people flocking to Jesus. Now this is something that we see throughout the text. It doesn't seem like Jesus gets too many breaks because the people are always crowding around him. They're always flocking to him. They're always seeking him. And that's exactly what they're doing here upon hearing about his casting out of demons and upon the miracles that he's working and the message that he is preaching. Verse 33. The whole town was assembled at the door. Now the whole town. That's a lot of people. I don't know how many people were in the town, but when I read a phrase that talks about a whole town being at somebody's door, that tells me it's not like just two or three neighbors around. It's not like the neighbors were outside and, and, the, and they walked out after, after Peter's mother-in-law was healed and they were out talking in the yard and they, they yelled over and said, Hey, what y'all talking about? Hey, you're not going to believe this. Jesus just healed my mother? Really? Oh, let me tell you, it's not like it was just three or four people around. It was the whole town that had flocked to come to Jesus. They wanted to be healed, and rightfully so, as you and I would be too. So all of these people began to flock to Jesus so that He can heal them and cast out the demons. Verse 34, And He healed many who were sick and with various diseases and drove out many demons. But He would not permit the demons to speak because they knew Him. Now, we saw that just last week in the, in the passage we were in. When the demon came up to Jesus... Uh, he knew who Jesus was. He said, I know who you are. He knew that he was the Holy One of God. That's how he referred to him. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, be quiet. Get out. Jesus shut him up instantly. And here we see the same thing taking place. He would not allow those who were uh, the demons, he would not allow them to speak because they knew him. Now that may seem counterintuitive, right? Right? Here was Jesus, the Son of God, who had come to be the, uh, the salvation of the world. Wouldn't Jesus want the people to know what was taking place there? Wouldn't he want the people know, to know the truth? And the demons were coming and they knew who Jesus was. Some of the other people uh, had believed who Jesus was. They knew what the scripture said, what the prophet said. They were looking forward to the Messiah. And they knew who Jesus was. Uh, and, and there were a few that were kind of piecing it together. But the demons knew exactly who Jesus was. But he would not permit them to speak. He wouldn't permit them to speak. There may be a few reasons why Jesus wouldn't allow the demons to speak, and even why he, w- he, he told the sick many times. He would say, don't tell anybody. He wouldn't, he wouldn't say, all right, go tell everybody who did it. Go tell them it was me. Tell them who I am. Tell them what I've done. Most of the time, Jesus would say, okay, you've been healed. Now go. Be quiet. Don't make a big to-do about it. He didn't want people making big fuss about it. He wasn't, he wasn't making a big fuss about it himself. He was simply doing what the Lord had called him to do. And so most of the time, just as we see with the demons, and he wouldn't allow them to speak of who he was, he also told those who he healed not to make a big to-do about it or not to speak about it. Now there may be a few reasons for that. I'll give you a couple of reasons as to why I think maybe Jesus didn't allow the demons to speak and didn't allow the healed uh, to go out and and, and make a big to-do about what he had done. One reason may be is because for the protection of those being healed. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Let's give you a couple examples from the book of John. In John chapter 9, there was a man who was blind and Jesus healed him he made him where he could see again. Now, upon being able to see again, once the religious leaders found out about this, what they should have done, they should have said, whoa! This guy was blind and now he could see. This is a miracle that has taken place. How did this happen? Wait, Jesus did this? Praise the Lord, we must find this Jesus. Now, Jesus healed this man who was blind and he went to the, (coughs) the religious leaders, but they didn't have that response. They said, Who did it? He said, Jesus did it. And they said, No. And they kept asking him. And he kept saying, What do you want me to tell you? I've told you. Jesus did it. And they said, Let's call his parents in and make sure he was really blind. He wasn't listening to nothing he said. So they called his parents in. His parents didn't want to have anything to do with it. They said, Hey, ask him. He's a grown man. They asked him. He kept saying, It was Jesus. Either you believe me or you don't. They said, Well, this man's a sinner. He said, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. He said, But he made my eyes open. He made me where he could see again. Nobody else in the history of the world's ever been able to do that. And as a result the man they, as a result they kicked the man out. They didn't want to have anything to do with the miracle. They didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus. And as a result it put the man's put the man's life in jeopardy because the, the religious leaders of the day didn't like him at all. You flip a couple of chapters over, here Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, his friend Lazarus. He got there. He had been in the grave for four days. And Jesus told him to come out of the grave. And here comes Lazarus, a dead man. He comes out of the grave. And what did the religious leaders of the day do? You know what they said? They didn't say, praise the Lord. A dead man's been raised. What a miracle. No, they didn't say that at all. Instead, they saw a miraculous healing, a resurrection of the dead, of Lazarus. And you know what they said? They said, we got to kill him. The Scripture says they were trying to make plans. They wanted to figure out how they could kill Lazarus. So maybe one of the reasons why Jesus didn't want the people to make a big to-do is because of their own safety. They weren't going to accept the miracles, and instead they were going to kick the people out. They were going to shun them, or in Lazarus' case, they were going to try to kill the miracle and do away with it. That was their plan. And so maybe part of it was Jesus knew that the religious leaders uh, were going to put the lives of the people he healed in jeopardy. And maybe that's one reason why he told them uh, to keep a little bit of quiet. Maybe another reason why Jesus didn't really want to promote uh, the miracles that he was doing is because he didn't want the miracles to be all that he was known for. Now look, Jesus did probably thousands of miracles during his ministry. I mean, there's no telling how many miracles he did. But Jesus didn't come to do miracles. Jesus came to preach the message. Jesus came to preach the gospel. He came to tell the people the good news. He came to call them to repentance so that they would recognize who he was. They would listen to his words. He came to correct them so that they would have a proper understanding of what they were reading in God's word that we call the Old Testament everything that God had clearly laid out for them many of them had confused God's word and missed God's word and were misinterpreting God's word and living contrary to what God uh, the way that he would have them to live and so Jesus as he was coming his goal was to preach and correct and let people know look here's what God's Word says here's the here's the good news here's the great stuff about God's Word there's salvation there's grace there's mercy here's how God wants you to live he wants you to love him he wants you to love other people and Jesus was trying to preach that message and that was his goal was to come and to preach and do the work that was his mission but along the way he did many miracles now We can probably understand that some who have experienced a miracle or would have experienced a miracle in these days, maybe they get healed, but all the while they miss the Messiah. Have we ever done that? God done something really good in our life and we say, you know, we pray about it and pray about it and God does it. And we say, oh God, if you heal me of this, if you do this, oh dear Lord, I know you can do it. If you do it, I'm going to live good for you and I'm going to be good for you and I'm never going to do anything bad again. And then we get healed and what do we do? We go about our sinful ways and we never think twice about the Lord. Now, it's not unlikely that the people of Jesus' day would have done that too. That is, some of them may have not been coming to him because he was the Messiah. They didn't care about what he had to say. They wanted to be healed. Now, Jesus wanted to heal the people, but more so, he wanted them to know the truth of the gospel. And so Jesus came to preach the gospel, and along the way he did miracles. But I don't think Jesus ever wanted the miracles to overshadow the message. And so perhaps that's another reason why he told the demons to keep quiet. And later on in Scripture, you'll see spots where he tells the sick not to make a big to-do about what's going on. Another reason, and maybe the main reason, that Jesus might have not wanted the demons to speak of who he was and not wanted the people to know fully exactly uh, who he was is for political reasons. Now, you've got to understand that when Jesus came, the Jewish people were looking for a physical, political leader that was going to come and rule them and lead them. They thought when the Messiah came, he was going to be the king of the land. He was going to set sit up camp on the throne right there in their land and he was going to restore everything to Israel and everything was going to go good and he was going to rule with the iron fist and all the enemies of the Jews were going to be destroyed and they were looking for Jesus to come in an earthly, worldly kingdom. Now, if the people would have uh, would have begun to realize and fully understand exactly what Jesus, who Jesus was and some of them did, but but they didn't ever quite get it. If they would have really understood that and Jesus would have come out and he would have been really promoting himself, I'm the king, then what may have happened is there may have been a group that would have followed him so much so that they were, they were going to try to usher him into political power. If they would have fully realized and recognized who Jesus was, they would have been trying to get him up to the kingship. Well, guess what? That would have caused problems. Then all the other, the king in the land and the other people in power in the land, they would have tried to stop it. And that's not not what God's plan was. It was not God's plan for Jesus to rule on the throne in this world at that time. And maybe Jesus knew that. And so as a result of that, that may be one reason why Jesus didn't want his miracles promoted. That may be one reason why he spoke in parables instead of just coming out and saying things plainly. He was speaking in parables and the ones who were wise and the ones who were seeking the Lord, they would understand the parables. Sometimes took a little explaining, in the apostles' case, by Jesus. But, but those who were looking for the Lord would understand the parables. And the others would miss it. And so Jesus was not trying to draw attention to himself. As we see in Matthew chapter 12, verses 19 through 21, that he will not cry out in the streets. Let's, go, let's read that passage. If you want to turn there, you can. If not, just listen close. I'll flip there right quick. Matthew chapter 12. Verses 19 through 21. This is a verse that I think describes why Jesus was not uh, not making a big to-do about his miracles and not allowing those who he healed to make a big to-do and not allowing the demons to speak. In chapter 12 of Matthew, verses 19 through 21. It says, He will not argue or shout, and no one will hear His voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed, and He will not put out a smoldering wick until He has led justice to victory. The nations will put their hope in His name. Now, Jesus was fulfilling this very verse. He didn't make a big to-do about Himself. He came to do His mission, and His mission was to preach the good news and to lead people to repentance. And He never lost sight of that mission. And that's what he was continuing to do here in these passages as we are going to read on. Verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and he was praying there. Not only was Jesus putting in some late hours by those who come after sundown, but he also was trying to find time to squeeze in to have a good prayer life. And so what did he do? He got up early in the morning. Where did he have to go? Well, he had to go to a deserted place. If he would have been to a public place, if he would have stayed where he was, the crowds would have been there. As morning would uh, would begin to come and the sun would begin to come up, guess what's going to happen? The crowds are going to seek out Jesus. They're going to find him. So after putting in a late night and healing those who were sick and casting out those demons of those who were demon-possessed, now Jesus realizes the importance that if he's going to be on mission for the Lord and serve the Father, which he did, then he needed to have a good prayer life. And so therefore, he got up early in the morning. He separated himself from where the crowds were, where all the things of the world would be. And he went to a deserted place. He got away from distractions so that he could pray to the Lord. So that he could be strengthened. So that he could be renewed. So that he could talk to the Father. Now that's good stuff right there. That's good stuff for you and I. We need to do the same thing there. We need to have times in our life that we... Get away from the crowds, from the hustle and the bustle and the stresses of the world. There needs to be some time. It can be early in the morning. It can be late at night. It can be in the middle of the day. Whenever we can find, I think it's important for us, if it's a minute, if it's 10 minutes, if it's an hour, that we say, God, I'm going to take this time and I'm going to get away from everything else and I'm going to go to a place where it's quiet, dear Lord, where I'm away from all the stresses and the struggles, where I can just be uh, be with you and pray with you. Now Jesus did it. He's the Son of God. If Jesus did it and He needed to do it, He talked to the Father all the time, then guess what? We probably need to do it as well. And so we can take a lesson here from what Jesus did by following His example. You may want to try that this week. If you don't have a good prayer life with the Lord or you never take time away, Maybe you want to do it this week. Maybe it's just something as simple as saying, Okay, on my ride to work today, I'm going to turn off my radio and I'm going to silence my phone. And in those five minutes, I'm just going to talk to you, Lord. Maybe it's saying, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to leave my phone at home. I'm going to turn this off. I'm going to turn this off. Whatever it may be, even if it's just for a couple of minutes, to say, God, I'm going to separate myself from the things that may be pulling from my attention, from my distractions, and God, I'm going to go to a place where I can talk with you. That's what Jesus did. It was good for him. And guess what? It's good for you and me too. Let's read on a little further. In verse 36, Simon and his companions went searching for him. They found him and said, Everyone's looking for you. Well, that's why Jesus went to the deserted place because he knew everyone was going to be looking for him. Can you imagine? Some of you can imagine. Maybe you've got a job or you've got a responsibility uh, where you feel like people are always watching you. I think about the President of the United States. Can you imagine being the President of the United States? Everybody is always watching you everywhere you go. You wish you could have a moment of privacy, but you can't. And that's exactly what was going on with Jesus. There was nowhere he was going to be able to go. As his ministry continued to go, as he went from place to place and more people heard about what he was doing, uh, there were going to be more and more people that were going to be looking for him. And the disciples found him and they said, where, where are you at? We've been looking for you. Everybody else is looking for you too. Let's read a little further. <clears throat> and he said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. So he went into all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So what did Jesus do when the disciples came and said, look, the people are looking for you? He said, let's move on. Let's move on to the next place. There are more places to go. And then he says, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. He was letting the disciples know Look, I did these miracles, but I didn't come to do these miracles. I came to preach, and I've preached here. I've preached to this town. I've preached to this people, and there are more people to be reached. These people know the message. They know the truth. They know what I've told them. Now we must go and tell other people the message. Jesus was a man on a mission. He knew what his mission was. Jesus could have stayed there and he probably could have healed sick people for days. And he would have, people would have come from everywhere. But that's not what Jesus came to do. Even though Jesus, I'm sure, loved to do that. I'm sure he loved to be able to heal people and to be able to free them from their afflictions. That's not what his goal was, and he never wavered from what God had called him to do. He never wavered from his mission, even though it was difficult, even though as it was almost time for him to be nailed to the cross, and he had spent that time, just like here, where he had separated from the rest of the group, and he was praying to the Father, and he was saying, God, if there's any other way, if there's any other way to complete your plan, if there's any other way, Father, for this to take place, please let it be but if not let your will be done see Jesus knew his mission he was a man on a mission from God a real mission some of you may have seen the movie the Blues Brothers before if you have you know that's a key line that they say all throughout the mission they're trying to get the band back together and everywhere they go they run into these people and they get into this trouble and they always tell them the same thing we're on a mission from God we're on a mission from God well They were getting the band back together. I don't really know if that was a mission from God. But I know this, that what Jesus Christ was doing was a mission from God. He was doing much more than getting the band back together. He was coming so that he could offer himself as a sacrifice for each and every one of us so that we could be forgiven of our sins. He was a man on a mission and praise the Lord, he succeeded in his mission. Amen? That's that's where you need to amen. He is a man that did not fail on his mission. He succeeded from start to finish. He did not allow any distractions to destroy him at the start. He knew what he was supposed to do, and he said, look, we're going to do it. He said, come on, boys, gather up. We've done the work here. Let me me show you what to do. Here's what to do. The Father sent me to preach. We're going to go preach. And guess what Jesus told them when he left? He said, look, now I'm sending you out to preach. Now I'm sending you to do the work. And guess what? It worked. You know how I know it worked? Because you and I are here. Because we didn't live in Jerusalem. We didn't live around Israel. If it hadn't worked, we wouldn't be here today. The people around Israel would have knew. But guess what? We're in Liberty, Mississippi. And we're sitting here in a church surrounded by probably 50 other churches within just a few miles of us. And we know it worked. And we know that Jesus preached because people today still know the message. People today are still hearing the message. And guess what? Jesus preached. He did the work. He gave his uh, apostles an example. He sent them to preach and do the work. And guess what that means for you and I? We still are doing the same thing. Jesus Christ had a mission. His mission was amazing. His mission was to come and offer his life as a sacrifice for you and I so that we could be forgiven. And he's a man. He's the son of God. He completed that mission. But he calls you and I to be on a mission from God. Isn't that pretty intense? That He calls you and I to be on mission for Him, and we need to be on mission for Him every day. We may be on mission for Him by going on a mission trip. We may be on mission for Him by offering somebody a hug who not who's having a bad day. We may be on mission for Him by praying for someone. We may be on mission for Him by helping someone pay their light bill that they can't afford to pay. We may be on mission for Him by taking someone food who needs something to eat. We may be on mission for Him in a million different ways but i want to tell you this if you are a follower of jesus christ today you are on mission and you may not have realized it but you are because he's called you to go out into the world and look here's what he wants you to do he wants you to love god the father with all your heart mind soul strength and he wants you to love your neighbor as yourself that's your mission That's your mission. When you see people, make sure you're loving them. Make sure you're loving the Lord. Make sure you're taking the time out to come uh, or to find a place that you can worship with the Lord, to come to church, to have a good prayer life, whatever it may be. God has called you to be on mission and in service to Him. If He's healed you, you need to learn from Peter's mother-in-law and you need to get up and say, All right, Lord, I am ready to serve you. And if He hadn't healed you, I want to tell you what. The same Jesus that went around telling people the good news back then is the same Jesus that can save you today. Let me tell you the good news. Jesus Christ died on a cross so that you could be forgiven of your sins and you cannot be forgiven and have eternal life through no one else other than Jesus Christ that's the good news and you know what he says when you hear that good news he says you're a sinner but I love you anyway he says repent he says turn from your ways he said if you're worried if you're worried if you are burned down if you're stressed if you feel all the things of these world he says come on pile them on me he said I can take it I see you're weak I see the burdens are heavy but Jesus says I love you my mission has been fulfilled and because I fulfill my mission I can take your worries I can take your struggles I can take your pain and I can give you forgiveness. That's the gospel that Jesus preached. That's where he went from town to town to tell people the good news. If you've never heard that good news or accepted it, I hope today you hear it. I hope today you accept it. I hope today you are healed by him, and I hope today you choose to serve him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for this good stuff, dear Lord. These verses today are chock full of good, good things for us to learn from, dear Lord. Help us to learn from your son, Jesus. Help us to learn from his example. Help us to learn from His love. God, help us to learn how to serve You. God, help us not to try too hard. Sometimes we, we try too hard and we think we've got to do these big things and this big thing and that big thing. But dear Lord, service to You is not about big or small. It's just, it's just doing what You call us to do, what opportunities You place before us. God, there's nothing too small that we can do for You or nothing too big we can do for You. So God, help us just to live our life and look for those areas. God, I pray that you help us to see areas that we can serve. Maybe we see it today. Maybe we'll see it tomorrow. Maybe it'll be a month. But help us to be sitting on ready, dear Lord, so that we are ready to serve you, that we are ready to follow you, and that we are ready to do your work, dear Lord. Just as the apostles learned from the example of Jesus, let us do the same. Just as they did the work, dear Lord, help us to do the work as well. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.